Thank you for tuning in. I'm Carissa, the UFCVM communications intern and pre-vet student. Being a true leader with honor and accountability is a skill that takes work, one forged through dedication and maturity. Today, we are joined by two captains from the Army as they share what leadership means to them. Welcome to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, your tour guide on the journey to becoming a veterinarian. Listen along as we provide you with tips, tricks, and tales on applying to veterinary school. Welcome back to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, and we are continuing talking about the people skills found on the VEMCAST letters of recommendation. Oh boy, do I have people in the booth today. Two service members from, guess what, the United States Army. I feel so patriotic. I don't think I've ever felt as much love for America as I do right now. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's um, an honor to be here. And of course, you know, it's incredible to serve this great country. Yeah. Thank you both for your service, by the way. Absolutely. Thank you for your support. Will you tell us your rankings, titles, what we need to know about you? And uh, oh, I should also tell the audience, we're talking about leadership today, which is why we have these two service members in the booth. Who better to talk about leadership? So go ahead and tell us who you are and maybe hometowns. Okay, so my name is Captain Yuri Armstrong. I'm the Director for Medical Recruiting for the state of Florida and Puerto Rico and um, Southeast Georgia, which is um, specifically Savannah, Georgia. Um, I'm originally from the Caribbean island of Trinidad and Tobago, um, but I grew up in um, at the age of 17 in Miami, Florida. Hello, hello all. This is Captain Xavier Jones, originally from Queens, New York. I'm currently the Deputy Director for Talent Acquisitions on behalf of the Healthcare Recruiting um, my AO consists of Central Florida, North Florida, and Eastern Georgia. I'm sorry, but you both could, after you are done with the military, could have a podcast because both of your voices sound so smooth. So, both captains. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Do we feel like in the military, leadership is kind of a prerequisite? Do you feel like no matter what rank you are, because y'all are both captains, my understanding is that's a little bit higher than someone who just starts off, right? You've been doing this for a minute. But do you think every single service member has to have some level of leadership? Absolutely. I think that it is a necessity uh, for all service members to have some form of leadership. And I say that because regardless of where you begin in the military, at some point, the expectation is that you continue to progress and promote. So it's a necessity that you're continuing to develop uh, those skills in regards to leading other soldiers. Hey, and uh, Captain Jones, I, I agree with your comment. Um, and and one thing that we we can't forget is is really leadership is is the antithesis of fear, right? And as leaders, we have army values, which is you know one of those are personal courage. Um, you have to be that one true thing, right? And observing from good leaders, um, like you mentioned, not so good leaders. I, I don't really like to call individuals bad leaders. Uh, more so, not so good leaders. And um, of course, listening to subordinates. Uh, um, I tell you, you know, with regard to subordinates, uh, they are the ones who are, are in the fight, right? And being able as a leader, being able to listen, and when I mention in the fight, right, we talk about um, the Army as an enterprise, right, with different specialties. Um, you know, so when you talk to about infantrymen, um, they are the ones in the, rent, in the, in the trenches, right? Um, and listening to them, trust me, they're, they're the ones who are going to tell you, hey, hey, this is how we can do it better, this is what I expect from my leaders, and this is who I want to follow. 
Ooh, there's a lot to unpack there. What's a backpack called in the military, like in the army? Is it like a rucksack? That's exactly okay. what it is. We reference it as a rucks- rucksack. Let's, uh, let's unpack the rucksack there. So I heard that you're, there's an expectation when you join the military that you don't just get in and get out. You're, you're hopefully moving up in the ranks. So we're trying to encourage those leadership skills. But we're also saying that when we make it as maybe a higher rank, we're really listening to those underneath us, or we, as we would say in the, in the army, the subordinates. Now, y'all are both on here today because... There is a scholarship, an opportunity afforded to veterinarians. Go ahead and talk to us about what they, what what are what is it? What do they? What can they do in the army? Yes, yeah, so so army vets we call them in the military. Um, they come in as commissioned officers, um, and one of the scholarships that we provide is a health professional scholarship program, um, which is a three-year scholarship program um, for. Um, students that would like to be veterinarians, right? Um, and what that consists of with regard to the benefits that we provide is 100% tuition paid for. Um, we also provide a stipend, 2600 and specifically $2,608 per month um, for that student to really focus on school and um, use that money to kind of offset expenses um, that way kind of beneficial to that student. I mean, in addition, um, we provide them with a bonus as well, an accession bonus of $20,000. I mean... I'm sorry, that stipend is huge. What a huge opportunity for these students. And what I like about this topic is it's multi-layered because a veterinarian in general is expected to be a leader in the community, for their technicians, for their staff, for the clients. That's kind of expected. But now we're saying a veterinarian in the army, that's like doubling down on leadership. So here's my question to y'all. Let's say a five-year-old comes up to you and they say, what is a leader? How would you define leadership to like a five-year-old? Like something to really get it down to a concise bit. What is leadership? So I'll I'll take this one only because I have a a little guy that's close to that age. Um, Essentially, it's you taking responsibility for yourself or a small group or enterprise or organization and ensuring the safety, the well-being, the best for each of the individuals and the organization at large. Yeah, in, in addition to that, I would say, and I'm not sure if a five-year-old will um, comprehend my um, All right, we'll advice, go older, 13, 13-year-old, right? okay? Um, I would have to tell that individual that, that leadership is not really a, a one-directional approach, right? Um, you must know your team, right? And understanding your team in order to build those teams um, so those individual teams can create teams themselves, mm. right? It's really... Um, establishing that environment, right, where individuals can thrive um, in the workplace. Um, you must ensure that your your intent um, and vision as a leader is disseminated to the lowest level because what we see within the military as our leaders provide that guidance, that intent, that vision, we kind of keep it at the leadership level, right? And for that intent, vision, um, and mission to be understood across echelon, it has to be disseminated to the lowest level. So communication is key mm. when we speak leadership. Are we kind of getting at we're leading by example too? Like we're just making sure that the leaders and w- their beliefs are being shown at all levels so that no matter who the person is, they see the values and the vision and the mission? Um, I mean, ab- absolutely. Um, so I'll share a quick story with you with regard to leadership as an example. Um, and 100%, right? That's definitely the approach you need to take. 
Um, so when I joined the military um, 20 years ago, right back in 2003. You look very young. I appreciate that. Thank you. The Army's keeping me young, right? <laughs> that's why That's why um, these vets from UF. Um, they should join. Uh, they'll they look, should join. They'll be young forever. <laughs> they have a good career, yes. Um, one, of, one of my leaders wanted to um, do a uniform inspection, right, if I may share this story. Um, address uniform inspection. I know Captain Jones here un- understand that the, the, the details and time it takes to kind of prepare for one of those inspections in the military. Um, there was a platoon, about 30 of us, um, and, and the leader stated the uniforms must be pressed. Um, awards decorations will be in line with our military records and so forth, right? So it kind of be kind of, you know, understand that, hey, you earned this award, it must be on your uniform. Um, so the day of the inspection, the leader had... Um, you know, he showed up to the to the inspection, and he directed us, gave us these instructions, but he had none of it, right? He didn't even have the uniform on. Wait, I'm sorry. I have to time out. You're telling me that the leader was coming in to inspect y'all's uniforms and wasn't wearing the uniform? And wasn't wearing our uniform, right? And that goes back to leading by example, yeah. right? Yeah, okay, okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and as, as I mentioned earlier, Captain Joe's know how time-consuming um, it could be to get ready for an in-ranks inspection, we call it, um, in dress uniform. Uh, I personally was surprised and shocked that the leader will ask subordinates to do one thing and not do it themselves. Um, For me, that was the very day that propelled me to move forward through the ranks quickly, right? It was kind of an instant, um, when I mentioned not-so-good leaders, Mm, mm -hmm. right? Because for for leadership, right, you kind of of create your leadership style. And I took that example from that not-so-good leader and kind of implemented to, you know what, this can't be happening. Yeah, it was like a catalyst. Right? It was a catalyst, correct. Um, so I said to myself, I must be that leader in front, setting the standard for subordinates and peers. Mm. Um, in my personal and professional opinion, like mentioned before, uh, that was un- unacceptable. And I think we all could agree to that, right? Um, lead from the front and by example, like you just stated. And most importantly, you must be a good follower, mm. right? Because when you take a look at the leader, right, not being in that formation leading by in, in from the front leading by example right as a leader you got to be a good follower and you mm-hmm. should follow your soldiers mm-hmm. meaning being in the same uniform at the right place at the right time um, to kind of understand and create that healthy climate or environment mm. um, and that's bottom line that's an attribute all leaders should possess yeah i had a supervisor one time who used to tell us at events she's like i've taken the trash out y'all are going to take the trash out too and i always that stuck with me i respected that would we almost reframe that that example of the time your leader came in not in uniform, which was obviously a mistake, that it's almost a good thing that happened because that encouraged you to move on? I kind of like that. Yeah. Dr. Captain Jones, what do you think? So it's it's funny because that's very directly correlates to a story that I had. Essentially, I had what we frame as a toxic leader is what we typically call them. And... I approached my commander at the time. <clears throat> so commander's a, a O3, an officer. I was enlisted. I was a specialist. I'm an E4. And I essentially made the complaint to my commander stating that, you know, this individual is making uh, a work, a hostile work environment for me, making it very difficult for me to do what it is that I need to do. And I'll never forget what the commander said to me. It was a Captain Neil Lape, phenomenal officer. And he said, good leadership is good leadership. And bad leadership is good leadership. 
and at the time when he told me that, I was just kind of like, are, are you serious right now? There's no possible way that you're telling me that the example that this gentleman is setting for me is a good example. And as I continued to grow within the military, I understood what he was communicating was that bad example was essentially one additional factor for me to learn from to say, do not do that. Even if wow. I don't know what to do, I know what not Ooh. to do moving forward. And it's, an, it's incredible just hearing that story, right? Because when you take a look at, again, de developing your leadership style, mm -hmm. developing your leadership approach, me personally and professionally, I've developed my leadership style based mostly on what not, not so good, do. What not to do, right? Not so good leaders. That's huge. Absolutely. Probably 80% of my approach is observing what not to do. Oh my God. Sometimes it's easier to learn from the red flags than the green flags. So y'all are really speaking my language right. here. And just seize that opportunity because I look at it as an opportunity to seize that opportunity to learn and grow yourself, mm -hmm. you know, to because that individual is replaceable and you're that person that's going to replace them. That's right. So one of the most important things here with the military is understanding the people within mm. your organization, mm. right? Know your boss. Mm. Know how to communicate with that individual. Really to the basics, right? Know how that individual receives briefings. Oh, you um, have to know your people and how they can hear your information. Absolutely. And same thing with the subordinates, individuals, right? We get, you know, I think, you know, and I know this is probably a fact that the military is probably the most diverse organization in the world. Oh, I love right? that. When you talk about different cultures, different backgrounds, mm -hmm. individuals coming from different countries to serve in the United States military. So getting an understanding and having that cultural awareness. And competency. Is, and competency, right, is and the, the cultural awareness, the competency kind of leads to that trust, right? Sure. And with that trust, you're able to communicate more effective with these individuals. Okay, so then let me ask you how you're doing this. Because what I hear is the theme is leadership is obviously about people, right? You have to be a great leader. You have to have the folks under you, but also they're looking up to you. There's a lot going on there. How does the Army train y'all to be people people? So essentially, the Army has a, a small um, set of opportunities where we, as we promote, will go to a school to formally learn, you know, what it is, the processes and the expectations um, when we get to that level. So, for example, uh, we both went to basic office, officer leadership course, which was essentially part of the training as a second lieutenant. And then we actually ended up going to captain's career course together as well. So as you continue to promote, there are opportunities where you have to develop now in regards to establishing those people skills. Um, that's something that you have to you have to dig deep and essentially find out not only more about yourself in regards to your approach, but then also what approaches or what tools apply to which individuals because you can't use the same tool the same approach for each individual you have to make sure that you're managing it for the different types of personalities different motivations that you're going to encounter as a leader right leadership is essentially mark me if i'm wrong this is going to sound terrible but if i'm going to like boil it down isn't it kind of like how to make people do things it sounds so bad but like motivation getting them to follow you that's kind of it yeah, and, and you're right on, the, on, on, you hit the nail on the head there, right? Getting people to do things, and I'll kind of break it down, define it a little more on how we approach it, right? Do you get to make people, the approach that you take shouldn't get, motivate the individuals to do things based on compliance, right? It should get individuals motivated to do things based on commitment, mm. right? And a drastic mm. difference there. So as a leader, 
right? You have to ask yourself, are these individuals within your formation, within your organization doing things because it's compliant, being compliant, yeah. or because are they committed? Right. So what I hear you saying is, are they doing it because they have to or because they want to? Absolutely. They believe exactly. in the mission. They believe in their leader. Ooh, that's hard. That's hard to get people to want to do that because you're dealing with so many personalities, different backgrounds. Uh, I have to assume y'all are in, in um, communication with folks that you just don't get along with. So maybe can we get some advice for, as future leaders, these veterinarians, what's the advice as a leader for dealing with insubordination, right? Right. So yeah, it's yeah. insubordination. There's an act of an individual really not right um, abiding by the rules, the regulations of that leader, right, mm-hmm. and that position. Um, but for, you know, and we defined leadership, again, we're speaking about vets, right, in mm-hmm. the military, vets in the, uni- in the universities in, and in the civilian um, side or the sector. Um, but for me, my approach really is, um, and we, I think we've heard it before, you know, work-life balance, mm-hmm. right? Um, but me personally, I don't believe in work-life balance. Oh, hot take, hot take. Um, what is that? What, you got to go right. tell yeah. us there. What is that? What does that mean? So so work-life balance, right, is kind of understanding, you know, the, 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 the workload on your individuals, right? What you're really asking them to do based on, you know, the time, distance, right, the resources available. Um, for me, I kind of take an approach of a work-life trade-off. And I'll explain um, that a little more in detail. Um, as I said, trade-offs, yes. Balance, no. How do you measure balance with regard to a schedule, with work, with the people within your organizations? Um, so the work-life trade-off, you really take a look at um, what's important to each individual within your organization. And you might want to say, okay, well, as, an, as a leader at that level, how do you understand and get to the ground with each individual within your organization? Well, one Right, you have those subordinate leaders within the formation that's feeding you that information. Right, we do something called a, a equal opportunity survey. Right, which is kind of a survey that you know is disseminated down to the lowest level, and individuals have that opportunity to kind of assess the climate and the environment within the workplace. Um, now, if you set a tough schedule and expect everyone to work around, um, you may find obstacles and constraints. Right, for those individuals to work through. Now, if you are transparent with what the priorities are for the organization, it will lead to a conversation among subordinates and your team. Um, what is important to you will be important to them. What's important to them will become important to you. It's a trade-off that builds respect, trust, communication, and transparency across any organization. And again, that's my approach to how I kind of deal with and communicate with across Echelon. Yeah, so knowing what's important to them, making it important to you, that builds the trust. They want to like they want to buy into whatever you're selling now, and then it builds that relationship. Absolutely. So for me, um, I'll say, particularly entering into the medical field, and if you correlate what we do to what we would do in the civilian sector, we would essentially be medical administrators, right? Um, so we're we're familiar with different medical specialties, but we are not the experts. And what it boils down to, to make it very simple, is this. If you take care of your people, they will take care of you, right? And I find that it's even more important as we uh, acquire more responsibility, more rank, because we're no longer the specialist in that particular field, right? So if it is in the cards, and let's say he and I down the line are are majors or lieutenant colonels, um, we do not have 
all of the tools and all of the knowledge for that level of responsibility, right? But if I'm taking care of everyone within my inner circle, if I'm making sure that I'm creating time for them to spend with their families, to make it to those occasions that they may not have been able to make it to if they were in the field, birthdays, graduations, et cetera, et cetera, right? I'm taking care of that person and it can go one of two ways. And this is my my IO psychology hat coming on, which it boils down to either they will take that time and be productive in a fashion that you desire, or what's even worse and could happen is if they don't trust you, then the time that they're taking that they would be productive for that organization, they're utilizing it to protect themselves, Mm -hmm. right? And that goes back to what we were saying is, is that influence, right? If I'm taking care of you, then I know that you're going to do your best and do your part, which essentially will cover everything for the organization at large. Do you guys say leave no man behind? Absolutely. Doesn't that kind of feel like what we're talking about here? Like leave no person behind on your team, make sure their needs are getting met, make sure you know what their needs are. Like even though these veterinarians, the majority of them are not going to become soldiers um, in the U.S. Army, but they're still doing the same thing. They're not leaving their team behind. So if you want to be a strong leader, invest in your people. They invest back in you. Absolutely. And, and you know, leave no person behind. It's, it's something that we live by, right? And what, what do you mean by leave no person behind, right? You know, I'll take any soldier, right, that could display care. If I could see an individual that cares, if I know that a, a leader cares, right, so from the bottom up, top bottom, I think caring is probably the most important uh, oh. attribute to have. Why? That's huge. Because I feel like in general, if I say to someone what makes a good leader, they might say something like either maybe they're dominant, they're powerful, they're influential. But we're saying caring is actually way more important. Absolutely. That makes makes sense. Leaders, you know, that care, subordinates see that. Care about their life. And then they follow you. And they follow you. Care about their life. Care about their families. Care about the resources available for them to do the job. Um, Cam Jones, what's your thoughts on that? I really just wanted to, there's a quote, right, that we've heard multiple times while we're in the military. And basically what it suggests is no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. So wait, say it again for the people in the back. So so for the people in the back, if you're listening. (laughs) All right. No one cares how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Ooh, Ooh, that's good. So checking in with your people. I will say we had a dean one time. He knew. I mean, he's essentially like the leader of the college. Right. And he would come around and make sure he knew every single person's name. And I'm telling you what, I'm like, I have so much more buy-in because of that, because it's, it felt like he cared. Or if we had had a conversation previously, he'd bring it up again later. And I'm like, dang, like he really listened. I feel that. And then I wanted to follow him. Absolutely. Captains, essentially, you could have a pre-vet working for you either in the office or who you don't, we don't know. But they might ask you, can you please write me a letter of recommendation for veterinary school? And you get to the section about leadership. What kinds of interactions would you have had to have with that student to say they are a strong leader? In, in order for me to establish that, that someone's a strong leader, there's, there's a few things, right? So the first thing I'm going to say is listening. And I find that that's very difficult for people in general to do because you'll end up in a scenario where you're having a dialogue, you're having an exchange, and for whatever reason or another in today's society, I see more and more of if I disagree with you or you get me into an emotional state, I'm no longer listening to what it is that you're saying, right? So I I, I cannot um, continue to support you because now I am emotionally anchored in this direction. So that makes it very difficult. Um, There has to be a metric for success, 
right? And in anything that you do, in anything that you would like to improve, you cannot improve it if you can't say, hey, this is where I was and this is where I am now. So that's something that I would have to see from that individual that is, you know, essentially requesting my assistance is, are they taking leadership seriously? Are they taking their craft seriously? Are they taking the steps to develop themselves? Because if you're not taking the steps to develop yourself, then how do you expect me to insert in this time, right? Because that's that's a ver- that's a variable, the currency that we cannot get back, right? So you're asking me for my time, but you're not taking the time to invest in yourself. Mm. And then uh, lastly, I would like to see that time and that desire to grow and develop be a a habit. Right. It can't be something that's inconsistent or, hey, Captain Jones, I need this L.O.R. for this specific scenario because I woke up this morning and I think that you should you should back me up. No, I need to see it on a consistent basis. I need to see it when you're coming to formation, right uniform, right attitude. Right. It's a consistent thing. It happens on a daily basis. And then I know this isn't part of a emotional piece, but it's a part of who you are. So for me, when I kind of take a look at leadership and uh, the potential of individuals, because we have to remember that, you know, as you continue to grow as senior leaders or as leaders in general, you have to look at the potential within your subordinates. And one way I measure that, as Captain Jones mentioned with the metrics, is what are they doing to seek self-improvement? What are some of the initiatives that they're taking to grow? Mm. What are they doing to impact the organization when they leave, mm-hmm. right? And if I can't see those simple things with regard to specifically self-development, self-growth initiative, um, the drive to succeed, the drive to make the place better than they, when they re- got there, right? That's a, a, a measurement that I utilize to kind of capitalize on the potential of individuals and their leadership skills. And those, both of those answers go for all humans, civilians and soldiers alike. What would we hope for today, that these students who are listening right now, what is something they can do today to start either evaluating or working on their leadership skills? Uh, I will say a couple things. One, never turn down an opportunity, Ooh. right? Um, and that goes back to um, self-development. And opportunities usually, in many cases, come in the most inconvenient time, right? So, you know, your, your classes, you have a lot of um, um, classes going on, you don't have the time. Um, but make the time, Mm. right? And when I say, you know, kind of seize those opportunities, for example, volunteering, right? Sometimes there's there's organizations that's asking for volunteers, and then you're probably the busiest person on the planet. Um, But, you know, kind of take a step back, right? And take a look at your schedule and say, you know what, maybe I could do, they're asking for two hours, maybe I could do one hour today. What's your work-life trade-off? Work-life trade-off, exactly, right? right? And, And the impact that you have kind of invest in that one hour it pays dividends mm-hmm. on the long run within organizations. Yeah. Come, Joe. So for me, uh, I'll cut it down to, to three things, essentially. The first thing goes back to what we were saying. You have to follow, right? Um, most good leaders are good followers, and you'll have those opportunities to end up in those scenarios where you w- may witness or experience something that fits your leadership style that you want to add or something that you say, hey, that's not necessarily the approach that I would take. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Then the next thing I would suggest is is teaching, right? Because if you can teach something, then there's, there's a better probability that you've mastered that craft, right? So so te- so teach leadership. And then the last thing that I would say is that you have to challenge yourself. You absolutely have to challenge yourself. Um, and you know, I've heard some guys in the military essentially say, "Seek suffering," right? Because when you're putting yourself in those scenarios that are going to stretch you, um, you're you're essentially extending that that band that broad width. So something that may have seemed 
much more difficult, much more complex. Well, if you're already extending extending that scope, then it's no longer a challenge, right? Now it's, this is, hey, this is day to day. This is nine to five. I can knock this out the park with my eyes closed. Is there anything that we want them to think about a month from now, a year from now? Like if based on where they're at today, what kind of leader do we hope they are a year from now? So I would tell you, um, you know, a leader of tomorrow, a leader of next month, a leader of um, next year, I, I kind of would like to provide some guidance, if you may, right? And if anyone, right, as you said, in uniform, outside uniform could kind of take this path, I think they will kind of grow the leaders of tomorrow. So I would say definitely provide opportunities that empower others. Um, create an environment where others can thrive, right? That's your work environment, right? Ensure that's a healthy work environment for your subordinates and your peers. Um, listen, right? Just don't listen to respond. You really have to listen to the people within your organization. Listen to drive change. That's important. Um, and be culturally conscious, right? Understand the backgrounds within your organization. As I said, you know, speaking to the individuals for two minutes, right? You could learn their life within the first two minutes of that conversation. Um, this is enduring, as I mentioned, right? Um, as a leader of tomorrow, a leader next month, a leader from a year from now. So for me, um, within the, this upcoming month, right, if you're listening to this podcast, what I would recommend is that you find someone that you believe that's worthy of following, wherever that is. If it's in uh, your church, if it's in your workplace, if it's someone on your block that you live and you're like, hey, I want to emulate this individual in this regard. So establish that relationship. And then if possible, as you've continued to develop as a leader a year out from now, seek someone that you believe is worthy of mentoring. And, and, and I'm glad you mentioned about, you know, the, the following piece of that. Right. And we mentioned it early in the podcast with regard to, you know, not so good leaders, as I framed it. Right. Take those not so good leaders as an opportunity for growth, for leadership, right? Do a self-assessment, assess them, right? And kind of in place, because again, you have to create your leadership style. A leader, it's not cut from one cloth, mm -hmm. right? You have to take those pieces, put it together and kind of create your own leadership style. Oh my God, all of these students are gonna be such good leaders. I'm so excited and it's so important that we do have strong leadership in veterinary medicine because it is a difficult profession to get into and to stay in. So if we can have some students, some DVMs who really value the mentorship piece and being a strong leader, that's really gonna help, especially the underrepresented students, to feel like they have a path. So I encourage everyone to really listen to what the captain said today about finding a strong leader then becoming a strong leader to others. And then if you're surrounded by the not so good leaders, taking that as an opportunity to kind of adjust your own leadership style to be the better leader that you wanna be. Because wait a second, where can they be all they can be? In the army. That's right. The army of veterinarians or the army of the United States of America. And just one last piece before we conclude, I would just like to say that the views expressed on this podcast are not reflective of the Department of Defense, aren't exclusively of myself, Captain Yuri Armstrong, and Captain Xavier Jones. Whoa, that's probably pretty important that you said that. Yeah, yeah. Captain Jones, Captain Armstrong, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for this invitation. It was a great opportunity. I'm Alex Avellino, and we'll talk to you soon. Um, when you say Sikh suffering, are you trying to subliminally get me to do the skydiving with the Army? Is that why you're saying Sikh suffering? 
perhaps. Yeah, I can tell. We're asking you to um, have some personal courage and jump out of airplanes. <laughs> and leadership. And then I, if I ask somebody to do something difficult, I can say I've also done something difficult. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There it is. 